We are Wrestling Elitists. I am your co-host, Chris Scott Moore. Joining us today, back to make this tag team of trios, the man whose monkey pox is no longer infectious, All-Atlantic, Alex Gibson. How's it going, buddy? The rumors of my downfall have been greatly exaggerated, but I'm here then, now, forever, and together. It's more miraculous than John Cena coming back six weeks early from a torn pec injury. (laughs) And then joining us as well is our returning champion, spinner title, Sean Nash. Then, now, and forever, baby. (laughs) All right. So thank you for listening to last week's week's episode. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, please subscribe via iTunes or Spotify. Give us a five-star review and stream us wherever you normally listen to your podcast. Also, please visit WrestlingElitist.com. We had some great articles that came out last week. Sean did a review of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion. And then I took a look into the allegations that surfaced against Vince McMahon called Vince McMahon's Power. Please give those a read at WrestlingElitist.com. And you can also follow us at Wrestling Elitist Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. Sean, what's the format of this show? You know we got to start with the, the big boss man this week. we got to talk about all his happenings. And then we're going to leave you off with our normal match moments, a little bit of more extra news, uh, some cringeworthy items, and what we're looking forward to in these coming weeks with a, a big sh- two big shows on the way. Yes, thank you. So, all right, a lot to talk about with Vince. Alex, it's your first time back. No what breaks. Your... You're yeah. straight into <laughs> it. HR yeah, right back in the fire. <laughs> All gas, no breaks. Uh, yeah, so what a, what a week it was, right? Um, there's rumors that I was interviewing for that interim CEO t- job. I don't want to get into it. I, I think they chose the right person for the job. But Nepotism. As we saw. Your NDA uh, just uh, stops you from doing that. <laughs> as we saw, Vince, temporarily at least for now, stepped down from his title of CEO and chairman of WWE, still keeping his creative control in order to uh, have some investigations into allegations of him paying off a a former affair uh, of his for $3 million, as well as uh, some potential shenanigans around her salary, even doubling upon the uh, start of their affair. I think there was some also some other stuff with uh, John Laurinaitis and mm-hmm. um, him even being involved. And if we've seen anything with the WWE, they're not afraid to make their talent, talent relations people the fall guy for everything. So we'll see... <laughs> what actually comes of it all for Laurinaitis and, and Vince. But I think the thing to talk about with Vince is, we, and you talked about it in your article, we were all amazed when we saw that he was going to be on TV on Friday night for SmackDown right yeah. after the announcement of him taking his uh, stepping down. What was he going to do? The weird thing was it said Mr. McMahon. It didn't say Vince McMahon, which the the differentiation in that is is meaningful because Mr. McMahon is the character he plays. Vince McMahon is the person himself. So they start off SmackDown. I watched SmackDown for the first time since we went to WrestleMania (laughs) and he just comes out. Uh, The fans are singing his music as loud as ever. Uh, Gives his strut. He's kissing babies. He just basically says, welcome to the show. WWE is then now forever. And together does a mic drop and leaves. And that was the weirdest way that he could have gone about it. I thought he was going to do a lot of different things. That wasn't the the route that I thought. I actually said as I was watching it with my buddy Matt, right as he was saying, I was like, what if that's all he's going to say before he dropped the mic? And that actually was all that he said. So first of all, I, I think that that was just, at that point, it felt like, fuck you, right? It felt like, 
mm-hmm. he was coming out to say, come after me, I dare you, nothing's going to stick. What mm-hmm. were your guys' initial thoughts on that? Yeah, kind of same sentiment there. It's like, you're not going to shut me up. I'm not going to go away like any uh, any other person that the, the internet, the world try to cancel. I'm Vincent fucking McMahon. I'm going to be here then, now, and forever. So scary thoughts. The whole thing just had bad optics of coming out immediately and to address something, but you're addressing it as a character, but then you don't. Seemed like a knee-jerk reaction to come out, and then hopefully some some PR people told him, hey, let's, let's take another look at what we're going to say here. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that he probably had all sorts of wacky ideas for what he could do. Um, he probably had something with his humor, his brand of humor <laughs> that he likes, that was probably not deemed funny by anyone who was watching. Um, I don't know what they have to pass over to Fox to get clearance on. So I don't know if Fox gets a read and goes like, you got to tone it down or you can't do this or you can do that or whatever. But it was just a very awkward uh, segment. It was very much so him trying to have it both ways and say, yeah, this is very serious. But at the same time, everything's going to be fine because I'm here, which would not be the thing. I I think almost everyone kind of wants to see him go in a weird way. Like that was kind of my take on it from the vibe from the fans and just the fact that that was heavily downvoted on their precious YouTube account. I think fans are willing to see him go away. But at the same point in the arena, everyone was ecstatic to see him. So it's just hard to gauge. I don't know. It's hard to gauge what the sentiment is. It's weird to think that we might have seen Vince McMahon come out for the last time where it was like, okay, to cheer him. Like that could yeah. be long, long that, term. That could be that it. Match. Yeah. Last uh, time someone saw him take a shirt off and he was, they were okay <laughs> with it. He had a, he had an extra bounce. He looked, he was moving around better Friday than he was at WrestleMania. It was, well, that's uh, almost like this not to sell it, not to look like anything's oh, yeah. bothering me. Nothing's so, wrong. Yeah. Well, and people were saying that he's he's been on you know record saying that he loves he loves a fight. He loves to he loves confrontation. So this is something that'll energize him. This is a dark thought, but I kind of instantly when I saw the him stepping down news, the first thing that came to mind was when Joe Pa stepped down and died like sure. A month and Instantly. a half later, I was like, I was like, is that going to happen? If Vince actually has to step away, is he just going to perish? Yeah. Um, well, let's go into this. So, Alex, you're a little bit more knowledgeable of human resources. I'm just a lowly recruiter. What do I know? But you're uh, a generalist and have specialties amongst a plethora of HR um so what are your thoughts on just the first thing that came to light about him having the affair with an employee on that alone that should make him step down i mean i know they're a unique situation and they're a unique company and vince is a awfully unique person but just that alone any other company that would make him need to step down correct yeah especially when you then add in the fact i mean the fact that he's a ceo right like there's yeah. no there's no way to really have that be a, a relationship that doesn't feel like there could be like a power dynamic issue there yeah. and then also then then when you add in the fact that there's clearly like some sort of a quid pro quo when you go from uh an assistant leveling to a director leveling yeah during the middle of covid when there's a you know when there's people being released people being laid right off, off. And, and all of that, like, it's hard to really understand how somebody makes that jump. And there's something that tells me that there's not a paper trail of great performance reviews that were set up to make that happen. So 
I would say that there is a, a high likelihood that this doesn't come out looking good for him. And I think, I think the rumors that I heard is the $3 million payment was personal from Vince of like that was outside of the company. So while that's still not great, I think where you get him potentially is with, you know, raises within the business. Uh, and then also the, the, the Laurenitis side of it too. I doubt that, um, you know, I doubt that his stuff was kind of taken care of on the side the same way that Vince was kind of doing it. Too with um, John Laurinaitis, he's married to um, like the Bella Twins' mom. Like this yeah. coming out is probably going to cause little little problems under that household. So, yeah. And I saw something that said it was like for Vince on Vince's side because obviously he's still married to Linda, but it was like him and Linda are married, but they haven't been together for almost Years. a decade at this point. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's just bizarre. Um, I think there's going to be more accusations that come his way. Some of them true. Some of them, unfortunately, not true. I mean, he's been accused of things he hasn't done before in the past, too, that has been shown in a court of law. He didn't really do all this stuff. But because he's been so public with his infidelities and his affairs and you open yourself up to uh, litigation when there's uh, an inappropriate relationship and that's the only way you could describe it, there's not like a thing where it's like, well, you know, they're consenting, they're just scrumping, come on, it's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal when you're in that position and she doesn't have any power in return. Do you guys think that there might have been, because this started as a story, I think, in New York Times, right? Uh, So, yeah. So do you think that this is maybe what led to Stephanie stepping down because she's the chief brand officer. So that puts her in a very awkward position. So, So they got wind of this news have her step away. And then like, they kind of, there was almost like this was the setup where they could kind of get her out of that. So she wouldn't be in, in charge of the response to this. Keep for her, her own father. Yeah. And then also she got to jump into this spot of CEO. So th- this is tinfoil hat predictions. This is just conspiracy theories. It's not a fact, but yeah, I could see that playing a part of the stressful environment that makes you go, I need to take time for me and take care of my immediate family because they're going to be embarrassed about their grandfather. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. that's very true too. Like it's, there's going to be, they're going to be embarrassed about it. Now this is again, speculation allegedly, maybe there's something that is so damning that is going to come out because they've been investigating this for months already that she felt like I can take time off and then I can come back when all this shit's gone. But knowing that perhaps he's going to be gone because it is so damning and there's so much stuff that's out there. They did uh, note in the Wall Street Journal article that there's other NDAs that were signed throughout the years and they're investigating all of those. So that part isn't the rumor or the allegations. Um, The allegation about the salary is one thing that's a kind of a different issue. Um, But just his many NDAs he's had throughout the years that could show that he has an habitual pattern and maybe everything wasn't used with, with with his own personal finances. At the very least, it's it's egregious and gross and wrong for him to be doing that. Like that's there's no other way around it to say anything. But that um, is the case. But yeah, it's weird. It, and it also shows kind of how not bullshit, but speculative or just kind of guesswork that dirt sheet journalism is. 
of oh, the optics yeah. of Stephanie and like, oh, she got buried on the way out and it's all oh, they're doing it because of this and that. And like just the narratives that came out, it just shows you a different class of reporting. If they were such great reporters, they would have gotten this story faster than the Wall Street Journal did. It just kind of was like a spotlight on like, oh, yeah, they're not that great of journalists. They're not fucking reputable. Um, yeah, this isn't Watergate. This isn't Washington Post <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, they all they all think that they're journalists until there's a time for them to be a journalist. And also, I mean, there was one, I believe, I'm not going to name them, but yeah. they they they, uh, they were speculating that Kevin Dunn was doing a bunch of insider Inside trading, trading, which, yeah. which yeah. once again, is there a possibility of that? Absolutely. But they just were recklessly speculating that. Yeah. And that's not the way to go about this. No. Okay, so what do you think the possible outcome of this is going to be? I anybody else, I'd say that they're going to step away. But we, as we saw on Friday, Vince isn't just going to fade away into obscurity here. And also, the world has a very short attention span to things. So, what this week is a scandal. MJF next week, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, nobody, nobody will care about next. Um, so unless there's more that piles on, there's a chance he kind of just skates away for you know, goes away for a little bit, comes back. Don't put him on TV anymore, but he's back in in the chair. And and ultimately, if his daughter is the one that's running it, you know, what I mean, how much are they still working together? And this is just a to have her as the face of it for now because we saw the art. Was it Wade? Wade Keller, who said that that was like, or no, it wasn't him. It was some, I think it was actually somebody from the wall street journal that said like him putting her in that post was like saying I'm coming back essentially. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if I had to put money on it right now, I, I think we see Vince back. Uh, I don't think that that should be the way that it goes, but I just, I think that people have such a short attention span and unless something else comes out, this will just kind of fade away and people will forget about it in six months and then he'll get a huge pop at WrestleMania next year. Yeah. Wrestling's not near to the level of the NFL where Deshaun Watson, this is going to follow him till there's finally a decision made. This, If this gets done with one or two things coming out, Vince McMahon, I feel like, will be back before the end of the year. And just he hasn't given up creative control. He's still doing that. No? no? Yeah. Correct. No, he, yeah. he did not give it up. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like that. I mean, completely step away. You should just be focusing on what you have to do and the investigation and the happenings and findings that you were going to accept. Yeah, I think the possible outcome could be too that maybe he just runs creative from now on and they do sell it. Maybe that could be something that happens as an outcome and they do sell it. And that's the part that he owns moving forward. And there's someone in a ceremonial title, like a Stephanie, maybe even a Nikon that controls maybe the business end of it, but he just does all the creative because God forbid you can't give that up. Yeah. And can I just say that in the battle Royal of corporate politics, Nick Khan has the most eliminations in the history of the WWE (laughs) killing it. It's just crazy to think in one year we would have Shane gone, Stephanie gone at one point, Triple H retired and possibly still gone, and then now Vince. Yeah. yeah the, uh, who's next? Hornswoggle? <laughs> Jesse Wade. Okay, the other thing I wanted to get into, so let's say this is, again, speculation, but let's say that allegation regarding the doubling of the compensation of that paralegal that transferred over is entirely true. 
And there's a history of people getting those quid pro quos and comp increases that are egregious and inappropriate. Vince is gone. How does that impact AEW? Or does it impact AEW at all? That that's an yeah, that's the part that I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Like, is AEW able to I don't want to say take advantage of the situation, but essentially that's what it is, right? Like, <laughs> Good word choice in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> I said I don't want to say it. Um, but I think AEW I, I right now it feels like they're just two different businesses. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't think that AEW as much as I love them and I think that they are the better company for pro wrestling fans. I think that, you know, it, it, remember that cliche of a few years ago and I can't remember who who was like, oh, our our competition is another wrestling shows. It's Netflix or it's people sleeping. You know, what I mean, it's because it's just, it's just that entertainment value. Um, and I just don't know that AEW is ever really going to reach that same peak. I think WWE is like Kleenex, right? It's just got it's got the brand name that people associate with wrestling. When you tell somebody I like wrestling, they go, oh, like WWE. Every time I have to be like, eh, kind of, but not I really. WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I. I saw a gorilla monsoon in the nineties. Uh, but like, I don't think that AEW is going to rocket past them through this. And I think that part of that's because AEW is built to be a, a wrestling company and WWE is built to be a entertainment, you know, conglomerate essentially. Yeah. And two, I, I don't see McMahon or the, the whole McMahon family stepping away from it truly yet and selling it. So I don't think there'll be a, a new fresh owner to come in and, really change change it up and give them a, a run for their money in the the wrestling realm like alex said it's just kind of always going to stay entertainment yeah the only thing i could see happening that could impact AEW directly if let's say again allegedly those allegations are true and there's more dirt that comes out that's explosive maybe female talent leaves and there's more women that leave because oh, yeah. of just how inappropriate things were or how uncomfortable they may feel especially if laurenitis doesn't go but my guess is he's fucking gone because he's not Teflon. Yeah, and that kind of comes on the heels too of Serena Deeb like making comments and when she had that in-ring promo with Tony Schiavone, like that, yeah, that creepy old man, and it was mm-hmm. directed at him. So it's, it's there's clearly a historical events of it, and and that's a thing too that could also get gross is if you find out things that like open up their personal lives and choices they felt they had to make again that's very speculative but that could be something that could get awfully ugly if you find out that divas felt pressured to washington commanders with vince you know and yeah. doing dance yeah. nighter type shit like that would be very explosive so i do think um it's not the end of the scandal there's going to be a second round third round that comes out that will be directions that we never saw coming, I'm guessing based on just how this year has started so far. Yeah. It's hard to imagine too, with how we've known the attitude era and the ruthless aggression era of how divas were kind of presented and all of that. Just there's gotta be some shit that fell through the cracks of just devious shit with, with some, some women. And you hope that's not the case, but it boy, does it ever seem like that could be yeah. a real possibility, which is unfortunate and creepy. All right, let's get into something more positive. Let's go into match of the week. We it's had a, a great shit. match on Dynamite, one of the best matches, I think, all year, and a sleeper that would have been best of the year if it wasn't for this great year of wrestling already. So, mm-hmm. Alex, start us off. Yeah, Dax versus Will Ospreay. It was one, two, three, all, all three of us 
chose the same match here. And I was actually <laughs> just watching it uh, a little bit ago to kind of, you know, kind of rehash it. I watched uh, a little bit of it. I missed most of Dynamite on uh, Wednesday. And I just feel like, first of all, Chris, I, I've given you a lot of shit for your enjoyment of Osprey over the last few years. But to be honest, haven't been super plugged into New Japan. He has completely changed oh, his yeah. style, his way. Mm-hmm. Like I was actually really impressed. And I think if I had been watching even as an outsider that had never seen Will Ospreay, I think I would have been impressed. And I'm like, oh, okay, this guy is good. And and I think we'll talk a little bit about some Forbidden Door stuff, you know, in the later on in the show, we'll get further into it. But Will Ospreay, I think, is one of those guys that um the fans should that haven't really watched any New Japan will probably end up leaving Forbidden Door saying, okay, I need to go watch more of what that guy's doing. Um, I thought there was, it just felt like a really interesting matchup at first. When I saw it was going to be Dax versus Will, I knew it was going to be good because I think Dax has shown in these singles matches, he's really good. Yeah. And he's somebody that can eat the pin and it's okay because he's a tag team wrestler. Um, but it's been interesting to see him become kind of a guy that helps showcase uh, there was that, that really cool kind of towards the end, that rebound, uh, the, the rebound power bomb that he does that did a really uh, close near, yeah, saw a couple amazing. of really good near falls last week. And that was one of them. And, uh, then seeing Osprey keep going for the Oz cutter, couldn't hit it, couldn't hit it. Finally hits it. Dax kicks out. And then I don't, what is his finisher called? Hidden, uh, blade. hidden blade. The hidden blade. I don't know how he gimmicks that. That looks brutal. Yeah, that is a uh, that is I'll give him that, too. That is. And I'm glad that he's not just I hated when he used to do that, like jumping, spinning kick type thing as his finisher. That just looked ugly. I think that's like Chip Chip Cheerio or something. It was a little bit too. (laughs) Something something a little bit too. Yeah, I was like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, great, great, uh, great match. I think um, the one thing and I I think this is not spoil Sean's cringe. I didn't love how the the end of the match kind of the, what it's set up for. Um, but overall, just, I think a great showcase and something I'm actually hoping to see more will Ospreay on AEW television, yeah. uh, which is not something I expected to say when they originally announced forbidden door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, like Alex, uh, my, I myself wasn't really a will Ospreay fan. And I mentioned in the article, he's just really grown into something that's actually enjoyable, kind of reduced a little bit of his flippy shit and something yeah. that, was kind of cool was like obviously FTR always had the back in WWE the no flips just fists these two were just perfect opposites together and both have become I mean he's always been a tremendous singles wrestler but Dax has become just a near contender for wrestler of the year with the matches that Fuck he's put yeah. on tag team and singles it's it's insane I he's really showing out and he's even kind of touting himself on his Instagram and he absolutely should. The match was fantastic. I love there was a moment Dax did like a double reversal lariat that just Will Ospreay could only sell it that way. And two, it wasn't in this match, but as you're talking about that hidden blade just being so fucking dangerous looking, there's a clip of like a slow-mo shot from um, Will Ospreay's match with Nick Wayne at GCW. Yes, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Uh, Well, we got to send in the group chat, put it on Twitter because man, that thing is just, it's insane. You don't get concussed or especially in New Japan a couple of times he's, done it once and then taken the elbow pad off and done it again. And holy hell, that's, that's tough looking. He's just a child. You can't hit him that hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, it's assault. I did think minor. that I was like, he's 16. He's just a little guy. <laughs> you don't hit him that hard. Brett Lauderdale doesn't give a, there's no laws in a Brett Lauderdale <laughs> establishment. Uh, I, I just gave, want, Oh, sorry. Go on. 
I was going to say, just speaking on that too, there were some of the best German suplexes I've ever seen yes. in that match. Oh yeah. You know, there was one that, that, uh, that will sold like death and it was yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. The, okay. So Dax's chops were another level too. Like JR had to, he got a huge boner and was like, Wahoo McDaniel and Ernie Ladd and, <laughs> and he was all excited about it because those were man. Those are fucking manhood chops. Those are chops that were as loud as they were since I chopped you Alex at Hell in a Cell a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh brother. I'm still <laughs> bringing still bruised. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to go drinking before Forbidden Door or uh, for Blood and Guts. Um, but yeah, the chops in that match were unreal. Dax is one of the best choppers in wrestling. He's like Ricky Steamboat right now. And then they did a spot that I thought was really ingenious. It was uh, Dax went to back suplex Will Ospreay from the top, but yeah. he purposefully lost his footing. So it made it seem realer when Will reversed it. But he purposely revert. He purposely fucked up so he could also try to do like a cradle too on top of it. It just was a natural like. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes sense that both guys reversed it because they did the phony fuck up to start it. Mm. It was just very creative, and it's a simple way to do something different to make it stand out. That's a Bret Hart move. You can totally see the influence there. I'm just gonna steal from these guys and just do little tiny things to tweak the match and make it interesting when you watch it again. That was a four and a half star match, a classic. Everyone go watch that because Dax is on a fucking roll. He is one of the wrestlers of the year. I do want to see Cash though get some single shine too because Dax is surging ahead a little bit and Cash is just as good, not as great, but he's Cash is great too. And I want to see Cash have some moments as well. Absolutely. There was times in the match where when it was like perfectly timed when Dax would kind of become more like brutal or aggressive in this mm-hmm. like attempts. And it was like right after Will Ospreay would either just be just the cocky little asshole that he is or like his over like I think I saw it on Reddit of just his like Sean level um, of selling on those chops and everything. Yeah. And just like after that, just put it in like 10 times harder. And it's just so great. And yeah, he's just such a good showman in the ring. Dax borrows from Stone Cold too with his mustache. He's able to contort his face and really have that aggressive look. And that mustache does make him look like Austin when he was pissed off or even like a Sergeant Slaughter. He just Mm. captures that baby face fire and I'm going to come at you with everything. He's such a great performer. Awesome match. Loved it. All right. Well, let's move along to moment of the week. Alex, what was your moment of the week? Our WrestleMania wrestler of the week or WrestleMania week wrestle wrestler of the week. Speedball Mike Bailey yeah. won his first main title since he's been allowed back in the U.S. So he won the uh, X Division title uh, with Impact at Slammiversary this week. So I just uh, I watched just clips of it. I didn't watch Slammiversary. Can't get myself to to buy those pay-per-views. Uh, <laughs> I bought one. I bought one Impact pay-per-view over the last few years and it just learned your lesson for me. But but seeing that Speedball won. Uh, and, and just seeing what he's been able to do this year, I think he's rightfully so become just kind of the topic conversation amongst internet wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. And it's been really cool to see him make this, make this rise and really interested to see what the next move is for him. Does he go to a new Japan and AEW or does he go to WWE? Uh, I think he's got such an interesting style that no matter where he goes, he'll kind of stand out with that Taekwondo background and, um, you know, would love to call him a friend of the show, but uh, he did not acknowledge me when I said hello in uh, Mania. I don't think he heard me. So <laughs> congratulations, Speedball. That's how you make enemies. Oh, great to see. Hopefully 
there'll be some good matches that we can kind of go back and watch on demand of impact with them and see more on a regular basis because definitely been in some need after that WrestleMania week. I think there was something um, of his match with um, Takeshita. I was just going to say that. Yeah. I'm stealing everything from you today. No, what the fuck? uh, Yeah. It's on YouTube. I haven't looked at it yet, but I can't remember where it's from. Do you watch it already? Old coast wrestling or is it, it was or California coast or something. I don't know, but it was really good. And it, and it had a very unique venue. It looked like Casa Bonita from South Park. Like they had like the match there. That's exactly the what it, it, it's exactly what it looked like. Nice. Like you can just picture Cartman running around. Casa Bonita, <laughs> it's so fucking cool. But that was a really great match. And that also had uh, Takeshita had a great German suplex himself. The German suplex to end the match. Spoiler alert was incredible. Damn you. I know. But watch it anyways. It was a four-star match, at least. Uh, my moment of the week, uh, Ortiz shaving his head off and screaming blood and guts, getting a little little cut in there, getting some blood that he was trying to wipe on his face. It's perfect. But I think just first off, right off the bat, just the bigger swerve of the week was Vince McMahon saying nothing or Jericho not shaving the, his reincarnation of Moses parting the sea on his fucking forehead. The, after we saw that shot at um, double or nothing, and then we have a hair for hair match, I thought there's no way we're not we're not shaving his head after that. Yeah. Side. He's <laughs> got to go bald, and that son of a bitch still wins. I I do not get it. There's there's so much heat brewing for Jericho. I, I it's got me so excited for next week. It's crazy that it's next week. Blood and guts. It's gonna be pretty fucking crazy. And then adding in Sammy Guevara. Hopefully he doesn't get into the match, but it seems like it might go that way. I don't. Looking back at it, we totally should have known that that was just a uh, a red herring. Oh, yeah. He probably read that online and immediately went to Tony and was like, let's do a hair versus hair match where I don't lose. Let's work these Uh, marks. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, and it worked perfectly. (laughs) It did. Because he's a wizard. (laughs) What kind of man throws tries to set another man on fire? (laughs) He also was the highlight for me. His kick out. Uh, that false finish where when oh my Eddie kicks and ran in and did the little backhand bitch slap with the gun hand. So and good. I thought or I, I, I thought he won it and I was so excited. And that was that was one of the closest kickouts nonsense yes. Sean and Undertaker WrestleMania 25, where it was like, holy shit, that was such a believable finish. I felt that was it. So I don't know. That was just cool to watch. The crowd was so into Eddie too. And Jericho's he's on another role. I mean, they need to start right now with people sidelined and injured and MJF kind of doing that angle. So Jericho has done some great work the last couple of weeks to really earn that heel spot. And yes, the Sammy thing kind of makes it just inner circle, but whatever, maybe they have him there and they add Wheeler Yuta to the, that's what I was thinking well. too. We you also, know, I mean, Claudio. Claudio. Ooh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, I um, I just when it comes to when it comes to Jericho, he's constantly reinventing himself, and I think that that's been what's what's so interesting when you watch him that like he doesn't when something gets stale, or he actually tends to move on from things before they get stale. And I think that that when I look at what he can teach the next generation of wrestlers, it's that it's not being the same guy every single company you go to, or even every year at the same company that you're in. How many iterations have we seen of Jericho at this point? Yeah. Just in yeah. AEW. Yeah. 
And the wizard Listen, one is so stupid. It's someone just <laughs> clutching on to the last bit of relevancy that they have, but it's brilliant. Like that's exactly what it is. It's such an I, underwhelming thing. Like the, I, I'm a wizard. <laughs> I remember uh, I, I saw comedian Kyle Cease talk about it one time on stage, where he was he basically said I could go up and I could go up into a a, a full room and do the ABCs and make people laugh if I believe in what I'm doing and if I sell it like it's funny. And that to me is what Jericho does. Jericho is just like, I'm going to do this, take this stupid thing, but I'm going to sell it as hard as I can. And I'm going to believe in it so that other people believe in it. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, let's go into news of the week. Alex, you were gone last week with the Jeff Hardy fiasco and some additional details came out. So what were your thoughts on Jeff? Yeah, Jeff, I think it was one of those like i'm i'm not even mad i'm just disappointed type of a feelings where you knew that it was coming right like i think somehow tony khan is the only person that didn't see that coming yeah. when he signed jeff i feel good about the side of history that we're on talking about not being excited about him joining the second he got released from wwe yeah. and saying that we saw this coming um and then to see the video of him from the night before where he's performing where he says whiskey is my best friend as well yeah. as my biggest enemy as he's taking a shot of, I believe fireball from what I've, what I've heard of reports. So not even good whiskey. Good whiskey. Yeah. Um, and uh, then, you know, him later that morning being arrested with a what 0.294, I think was what he blew. Like something it was like three, over three times. Or point or oh, yeah. 0.02. Sorry, not 0.2. That'd be, um, or no, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, anyway, yeah, we've not gotten DUI, so we don't really know this stuff really well. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> not bothered to, with that. Not to gloat about it, but yeah, gloat about it. Um, but it, it's it's disappointing. Here's the thing: I don't necessarily ever want to see Jeff get another like chance, really, with AEW. No. I think you only get so many second chances, and he's had about a dozen at this point. So I think I think I'm good on that. If I had to pick the way that I like kind of ideally, because I know Tony won't just let him go. Clearly he's not. He's he's only suspended currently without pay and then, you know, has to complete a sobriety program and then maintain that sobriety, which I don't really believe is something that will happen. Honestly, like if, if I see him wrestle one more time, I want it to be a Hardy Boys retirement match and that's it for Jeff. That yep. is and then you cut it there because he doesn't deserve there there's the word is that they were supposed to win that title match. And then, you know, things got changed. And there was also like, they were, they were kind of dependent on if he was actually healthy, they were going to wait until the day of to find out if he was healthy. And then potentially Matt was just going to do the match himself or have somebody come in as a replacement. And um, to me, the fact that they were even going to get, put the titles on them after that pay-per-view match is ridiculous. And I, I didn't love uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus as champions. I think they had some great matches, but I just, mm -hmm. I don't care. They're just not my cup of tea. I would have been kind of bummed to see their title reign end at the hands of the Hardys in the current state that they're in. Totally. Totally. Two, there's been those weird videos or TikToks of uh, Matt Hardy's wife putting out of just their, all they've done to, to keep him away and keep him off alcohol. And it's, so weird you haven't done truly enough if you're clearly signing a check or receiving a check every just day get just get off camera kelly yeah. stafford you don't need well, to be that, on TikTok anymore careful well, that and like he also like 
he also uh or they like matt on his podcast was kind of shitting on people who thought that jeff wasn't sober and saying that they don't know what they're talking about you know you're just wildly speculating whatever like which there was probably some wild speculation there but look we all we've all known some some we've known jeff for the last 20 25 years as a wrestler Mm-hmm. And he's not somebody that's ever been known for being sober. And Matt, we know that that's your brother. You're defending him. But then when when you go and defend him like that on podcasts and say that nobody else knows what they're talking about, and then it looks like everybody else is right, maybe you need to step back and stop worrying so much about being a you know kind of like the the wrestler and just worry about working people and just like understand why just people don't are say concerned. anything. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's an unwinnable position to put yourself in because yeah, there's always going to be unfair speculation, but it's warranted because of his track record and less is more. Don't make yourself a target and don't make yourself have to defend him and put yourself in a vulnerable position. The whole thing sucks and it's sad. Um, I do think Tony should have fired him. Yeah. I, sorry. I, I think he should have, but also, I'm not mad at the attempt to get him to go to rehab. No, and that's that's a plot that's laudable, but that should have been a condition of his employment. Yeah. Of I know you can't put that in an offer and say that to anyone, but um, that would have been a rule that I had in the back of my mind. Is if anything happens, you're out. I don't want to. I don't care what the excuse is. You got a very short leash. You can't. You've proven that you're not very trustworthy in the matter. All right, some other disappointing news that happened this week is we lost two Hall of Fame WWE referees. Sean? Yeah, Tim White and Dave Ebner. It's yep. sad to see. I, I never really could have liked – I mean, Dave Ebner. The Ebners have like the face of what – if someone says uh, WWF, WWE referee, it's it's their face. It, it's so synonymous. Um, so many childhood things. But I truly couldn't remember Tim White just didn't really ring out to me. But then once that Andre, the giant documentary came out and he was kind of came out as like, I was his handler. He, mm-hmm. he was my best friend and just the things they had did together and just supporting his life of someone who did not live an easy life being a, a giant among people who like not even our size, just it's crazy. Um, tragic. Sad to hear. I think Ebner was 73 one of one of them said yeah. I can't remember. I, I don't know how they passed, but just sad to see these people from our childhood that we've grown up living with just starting to go one by one, two by two. Yeah, Tim, uh, he was a referee for the Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker and Mankind. That was kind of his famous uh, oh, match yeah. that he got to officiate. But yeah, he was Andre the Giant's handler. And he also had that really like beautifully sad moment in that documentary where he's like, there's no crying in wrestling doing like the riff off. There's no crying in baseball. That is like, cause he seems like a, such a sweetheart of a guy. And like every story you heard on Twitter was like, he was such a nice guy. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, Oh shit. That was just so damn sad to hear him say that. Like that broke my heart. Truly. What's sad is my only memory really of, of Tim white was, uh, uh I know. he was, the, he was the ref yeah. in those old, those old uh, videos of him just, every week he was trying a new way to take his own life. Like I remember there was, he was trying to like drop a toaster in the bathtub while he was there. He yeah. tries to, do you remember those Sean? No, I'm really, that, they are like really dark. And like, that's one of those, like it's one of those things like Muhammad Hassan and some Eugene that I look back and I'm like, 
How did yeah. that get greenlit? Was there was it like was, was there some kind of story or like was it like going with no. someone? Do you remember? There's a story of like he got injured in a Hell in a Cell against Jericho and Triple H, and he said the Hell in a Cell ruined his life, so he was trying to kill himself. Oh my god! It just isn't like yeah, it was all the wrestlers that killed themselves before that, and even in 2002 or three or four, whenever that was, it's like why do that? Well. Well, and it's not like there was a payoff, first of all. And second, like right. they were done in a, they were done like in a comedic tone. So that was kind of a weird who, taste. Yeah. Who finds who, that funny? Who would find uh, that we funny? We know. <laughs> yeah, I know. And who? He's still in charge. <laughs> yep. We know. One of us that doesn't know what a burrito is, even though he ate a burrito every day. Every day. I fucking love that story. <laughs> um, okay. And then Dave Hebner, too. So if you haven't watched this match, highly recommend you do. It's not the most artistically pleasing match. But it's Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan, main event, 1988, greatest finish ever. I still think it's one of the most genius finishes where they signed Earl Hebner. They're twins. No one knew that Earl Hebner was coming from the NWA and just kind of knew who he was because no one paid attention to what referees looked like. And the angle was that the Million Dollar Man paid a referee to get facial reconstructive surgery to look like Dave Ebner. And they used him in that finish to screw Logan. Uh, like, it's just so genius. fucking genius. And that's why, because that was such a successful angle, that's why we have stupid shit today of, like, Finn Balor getting electrocuted back to life as the demon and then falling off the rope. So then nothing never happened again, but just that's why they had those ridiculous finishes because that was such a good outside the box. What the hell was that finish? And I still love that finish to this day. I think that was one of the best, I don't know, childhood memories I have of wrestling. It's great. The beauty in that disbelief. Yes. That they can. Such a stupid idea to make them <laughs> hang them up to get facial reconstructive surgery. It's like so good. I love it. Okay, well, let's go into things that we don't love. Let's go into cringes of the week. Alex, what's yours? It's honestly forbidden door at this point. I think I look at the fact that we're less than a week away, and it just feels like there's no heat to it. The way that they built some of the stuff, I know that there's some limitations. I had read that actually it was supposed to be Osprey facing Andrade originally, but because of him working for AAA and then New Japan working with CMLL, there's CMLL basically through a fit. So none of the AAA guys really are getting to face uh, new Japan talent. So we're getting some other matches that I just, I, I think first of all, we haven't seen Okada. Right. And then yep. we also look at Jay white. Like what is he doing? There's so much uncertainty. This feels like such, this could have been such an easy kind of like home run to book. Mm-hmm. Right. And they've just made it overcomplicated. You know, I said earlier that AEW isn't trying to be like WWE. This is where it feels like sometimes they are. It's like they're just overthink. They're trying to be the smartest person in the room right now when all you have to do is just kind of book it pretty straightforward and things are good. And what's what's sad is I feel like wrestling is obsessed with uh, invasion angles and they never do them right. They're always awful. This yep. feels like a half invasion ang- angle. Am I still excited for the pay-per-view overall? Yes. Do I think it'll be good? Sure. But I don't think it's going to be what it could have been and what it really should have been, especially if they want to make this a event moving forward, which is what Tony has said. He wants it to be an annual event. If that's the case, I think that this should have been a strongly booked show. And and maybe I'll eat my words on Wednesday because there's people speculating that Jay White's opponent could end up actually being Omega and they've been kind of telling us that 
he's not as healthy as he is to kind of get us to that point. I don't think that that's the case. Well, why wait? I, that, yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the case. And also, it's just weird that they sold this show out, you know, almost immediately when it when it went on sale. And then they almost, for, it's like they forgot that they had the show at that point because they didn't have this need this need to book it. And if we had bought tickets to go to Chicago for this, would I be excited for it? Sure. But I wouldn't be as excited as I was when we originally would have bought the tickets, booked it all, and, and were thinking about this and fantasy booking it. Totally. It's just, it's not what I expect from AEW. Yeah. And it kind of leads into my cringe too. It's just we have Orange Cassidy going up against Will Ospreay. This, there's, this, when it was first announced, it was just expecting to be dream match after dream match after dream match, and it's kind of just put in place uh, those tag teams together, that guy with the belt and with that guy with a similar belt. But then pairing one of your like top four wrestlers that you have, you're one of the block leaders in the G1 against Orange Cassidy, who, fan favorite i i know i'm probably going to be wrong with this like they might actually end up putting a tremendous match on they've kind of got similar styles but it's just not what i want to see when we we're talking about dream matches if cmll and AAA were in assholes and that wasn't an issue like alex was saying andrade that would have been fantastic or uh will osprey and phoenix would be fucking insane but like there's still even people who are outside of that malachi black buddy matthews brody um, yes. swerve, swerve Pac. like there's so many people that i would Kirby. just be there's yeah. a ton of people that are just Lee Moriarty. Yeah. I mean, there's a shitload of people that are just not being utilized for this. And it's not that hard. There's got to be guys that New Japan has to be. That mm-hmm. Harvey will go over. We'll let them go over. Lee Moriarty yeah. will let people go over. There's yeah. Daniel Garcia will let them go over. Like, for Christ's sake, there are so many people that could have been booked for this in a better way. I would have rathered see Dax versus Will Ospreay as the Forbidden Door match. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, for sure. That's that's the first thing that I thought after that match was done. I was like, oh, fuck, that's a better match than anything that they could have put on. And that would have satisfied me from an artistic level. I was like, OK, cool. That was good. Um, speaking of the first thing after that match, that I thought of last week, you and I were talking about who would we want to see as the it's only Lance Archer, the AEW competitor in G1. After that match, Dax, I would love oh, to see sure. if, if there was yeah. a reason cash had to be out. Dax would be in the G1. 100 percent my vote. That yeah. was so great. I don't know what they're doing with Okada, and I think that's the biggest cringe of all. Mm-hmm. Is that he he's the forbidden door. Moxley isn't the forbidden door. Okada appearing on a pay per view in North America is the forbidden thing. That's the forbidden fruit. Yeah, you had it all in whatever, but like that, this is when it matters. And the fact that they don't, he doesn't have a storyline, or there's rumors that he's not going to wrestle because it's his wife's birthday. Fucking, you fly her out to Chicago and take her shopping or something. Have a great time. There's a magnificent mile. There's a <laughs> store. There's all sorts of good shit there. Doug Boat. Chris is Chris is trying to figure out how to get his anniversary to yeah. be at uh, to be at a wrestling show. The least you could do is wrestle for us, Okada. Yeah, yeah. not We're successful on that, by the way. Just not not <laughs> not down for that one. But no, I and I I want to see clarity too with the IWGP title. And if and if they are going to do a Bullet Club versus Undisputed Elite, well, build to it for Christ's sake. You can cut promos and just air them on AEW TV. The whole thing has been completely scattershot. And like you said, it's Vince at his most Vincey. This whole pay per view. Yep. Like mm-hmm. get a backup plan, fine. But like everything can't be that in flux. Like for crying out loud. 
it almost feels like like Tony didn't want to do Forbidden Door, and he's like, guys, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And then finally, he's like, well, the fans are asking for it. We'll give it to him, but it's not going to work. And then it becomes like a self fulfilling prophecy because he doesn't book it. That's how it feels. Like it feels like he doesn't want this to succeed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I desperately want to know what's going on with Hangman, what's going on with Akata, because if you promise that and hint at it, you should deliver it. It's that's just wrestling one on one. And we've I don't have they truly confirmed it. Like we haven't seen Brian Daniels in in feels like a month. Like is that match confirmed? Is it really going to happen? Supposedly he's going to test out his knee or leg, whatever the hell his injury is, and if he can make it on Wednesday, then they'll do it. But it's like, if that's the case, then don't fucking call him out. That's the last person you want to wrestle is, is Zack Sabre Jr. when you, you got a, a bum knee. Oh, he'll get you. Him or uh, Sonata get put in that... Uh, Paradise lock. Yeah. Yeah, but like, there's nothing for Sonata, who's really good. He could mm-hmm. have a great match. I'd like to see... Yeah. Shingo. Uh, Shingo. A lot of guys. They just What are they doing? It's kind of a bummer. Hiromu. Uh, yeah. yeah. Him versus Sammy would have been good. Not the best thing in the world, but like it would have been fine. Yeah, Roll movers Darby. That's that's it right there. That could have opened the match or opened the show. I would love to see it. Okay, so we've talked about what we're cringing. Let's go into what we're anticipating. Um, Alex, you talked a little bit about Forbidden Door, but what truly are you looking forward to the most with the pay-per-view itself? Yeah, I think it's just seeing a what that final card is, seeing who yeah. Jay White's facing. I really hope that they deliver on that, and I don't even know what delivering means at this point because <laughs> I, I I like Hangman. I think Hangman would have a good match with him, but um, just the build for that's been weird. Uh, and and really, it kind of feels like Kenny is kind of the one person that could deliver as where you're like, okay, well, I guess that was worth waiting to find out. Um, so I'm looking forward to that and just kind of seeing how it all shakes out. I. I really hope that we get to see we're, we're surprised by some stuff and we get to see some good come out of this pay-per-view that makes it feel like this was worth it. Right. Like that this, even though it was frustrating and it got off to a slow start, we can look forward to the next one because if every time it's going to be rush booked like this, then I don't really need to see a forbidden door too. So I'm hoping that it delivers I'm hoping that also we get to see it actually turn some casual fans into New Japan viewers because I don't think that what they've done so far has really given casual fans any reason to care. And I think that um, that's the only the only cat or like kind of caveat to that is I do think Will Ospreay has was exciting last time, but mm-hmm. his first debut is he was with a bunch of guys that you're like, who are these nerds? And having the great Okan be like kind of the first person through on the invasion not going to really sell a whole lot of uh, pay-per-views, but hopefully, hopefully we'll get, we'll get something good, get a good surprise. And overall, it'll just be a really good card. And also looking out, looking forward to grilling out with my boys and, you know, having, having a good time. And then, you know, it's, that's basically us pre-gaming for a couple days later when we go to blood and guts live. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hopefully into that leads to some good things for blood and guts, maybe some carryover, hopefully something good of it. I'm uh I'm looking forward to the G1. Alex sent uh, fresh off the press this morning. The blocks came out. Uh, my favorite, of course, has to have Zack Saber Jr. in it. Naito and Kenta. That'll be fun. A little Tanahashi action, but just fun. It's a a good pairing. Everyone's kind of got like their their main two or three big big players, and then some some fodder for the the wins. But excited, interested, and uh, 
can't wait for it to get going. Yeah, I'm excited to see how this new format works because I think it's a novel idea and I hope hopefully they can do something similar to switch it up and make it feel different because it's been kind of the same shit for a couple of years. And again, some of that mm-hmm. was out of their hands with the pandemic, but New Japan in general has been stale because we've seen the same matchups over and over and over again. So hopefully uh, one, this makes it a little bit different. I wonder how this works with scheduling too of uh, hopefully we cut out a bunch of the the mixed tag or mixed lightweight heavyweight tag yeah. matches before and we do two blocks have their matches and then we cut it and they started doing that kind of sort of with the best of the super juniors they cut out a little bit of the fluff but let's just straight no, to the I was, action i was just gonna say yeah that so what you just need to do then is just have the new japan strong or young lions wrestle maybe and that's it yeah totally get crowd going pumped up and then start with your lower levels and hit it quick i mean i'm sure they want a longer show because they're there and they're seeing it but for us new japan world watchers let's wrap it up the dave Chappelle box yeah hopefully it's not on fight tv too we have to deal with that shit fuck that all right i'm anticipating uh forbidden door to have some clarity to get some idea of who's going to be on the card itself I'm hoping, though, like Alex said, that we'll get a couple of floatovers that will be in Detroit for us. They're in Chicago. Only a couple of days later, hopefully they'll be in Detroit. There'll be some guys that will be there live from New Japan. And I'm anticipating what the hell is going to happen with the Sasha Banks story. Is she released? Is she not released? There was rumors that she already has been. Then there was rumors that she wasn't released. So I'm excited to see what happens to her. To add her to the women's division would be huge for AEW. My guess is that she's going to go to Hollywood, but who knows? Maybe she does sign a deal that allows her to do kind of two things at once and would love to see her wrestle. Holy uh, shit. I completely forgot that the Sasha Banks stuff happened. This a little week story. Like, yeah. that's, like, and I, that was something that actually excited me. I I'm hoping that she's leaving for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's good to see somebody stand up for themselves uh, against you know the the WWE machine when they feel like they're not being listened to and, and they want to go and you know there was kind of thought that she might want to go to AEW originally when it first came out but then also just to see her go somewhere else where maybe she will be treated like the star I think she's always kind of played second fiddle to Charlotte and even Becky to to an extent I think that she's kind of been presented as that kind of number three in the horsewomen and then she's been Bailey kind of as, times Bailey yeah. overstepped her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. True. And, and I don't think that that's where she ranks in terms no, of talent. No. And, and she also has a lot of stardom uh, kind of based like that. You could tell like that's where her influence comes from. So <laughs> it'd be nice to see her go to stardom, face some of those uh, you know, some of the talent over there and, and then just hopefully be able to, you know, kind of showcase her, her abilities outside of, you know, the WWE brand. All right, I'm showing my age here. I had a little chuckle because you said stardom, and I thought of that Disney show that she was on. And instead of calling it The Mandalorian in my head, I called it The Mandolin. And I was like, it's not called The Mandolin. Mandolin. That's a Bruce Hornsby song. (laughs) Also showing my age. Oh, well, boy. nothing's topping my old man shtick, so we're going to sign off, thank God, and end this episode. But before we do, we want you to, again, visit WrestlingElitist.com. Sean had a great article about uh, Dominion, and then I had an article called Vince McMahon's Power about 
the fall events, perhaps, and some of the allegations that came to light. Again, please subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes, and you can follow us on our multimedia platform on Twitter and on Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. Rick Rude, end the show. Hit the music.